You are listening to the Sermons Podcast of First Baptist Church, Mount Washington. Well, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. We're going to take a break from uh, Romans for a bit. And uh, as we head toward the Christmas season, and next week we'll be looking at, uh, begin looking at Matthew's Christmas story, Matthew's version of the, the Christmas story. And uh, today, though, we're, it's appropriate, I think, to, uh, to think about uh, Thanksgiving, since that is the day and time that is uh, upon us. And uh, so to do that, I want us to look at Psalm 100, a little, uh, just five verses of this so very well-known psalm. Let's look at it together. Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that You would do Your work in our hearts today, transforming us to be the kind of person that is described here in this psalm, full of thanksgiving for all that You have done. And I pray that you would use me as your servant today, that you would increase and I would decrease and your word would go forth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think one of the most significant changes that Jesus wants to make in you and me is to transform us into people who are eternally grateful. Psalm 30, verses 11 and 12 says, You have turned, me, turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Eternally grateful. And so I think that Christians ought to be uh, the most thankful people in the world. And, and yet... We often find ourselves sitting in shoes of ungratefulness for this reason or for that. Julie Lowe is a biblical counselor, and she points out a couple of causes of ungratefulness in our lives in terms of general categories. Uh, First, she mentions that our society cultivates discontentment in our lives, and I hope that you're aware of that. Uh, If you're not, you're certainly going to be aware of that as we're entering this holiday season uh, because businesses will soon, and they already have, they've already launched a massive advertising campaign to convince us of all the things that we do not have and that we so desperately need and that these things are going to give us great happiness and peace and contentment uh, in life. I I need this new... What are we up to? iPhone 48 now uh, to be satisfied uh, because my 47 doesn't work as well anymore. Um, uh, Whatever new product uh, that it is. 
And we so easily forget that uh, this same ploy, the same argument was used last year to convince us to buy the, the iPhone 47 or whatever it was. Um, it's always this push for the new and greatest thing, which has, uh, coincidentally, these things that were once new and have, have become old and useless to us all of a sudden. So it's a cycle, you see. It's a cycle uh, of these things that, that pull us, that, that lead us, can lead us to discontentment. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have uh, uh, perhaps some material blessings, but there's a danger in this. And the danger is, is that the, the more that we have, the less grateful we will become. And I hope that you realize that, that there's a cycle that you need to be aware of. We're, we're suddenly tempted to think that this is, this is the way that it's supposed to be. I was thinking of some, some examples. So once you've had a steak from Ruth's Chris, it's harder to be thankful for the sirloin at Golden Corral. <laughs> I mean, it just is. This is not the same. Uh, once uh, you go to Hawaii, you know, going to land between the lakes just doesn't seem like that much of a, of a trip. Um, and so on and so forth. The, the more that you have, the more temptation is the experience to be ungrateful with things. And this is just part of this cycle in our, our culture that you need to be aware of. And it's especially true in times that may be more difficult and those comforts are taken away. That you realize it. Lowe mentions another uh, cause of ingratitude in a little article she wrote. That is a sense of entitlement. A sense of entitlement. Once we start to believe that we deserve these things, that I, I deserve this new product or this vacation or I, I deserve this uh, peace and quiet when I get home from work every day or whatever it is. Uh, one pastor noted here bluntly, some of you were spoiled rotten as children. Your mothers and grandparents and your dad gave you almost everything you wanted. And so you were pampered and protected uh, that you have un so pampered and protected that you have unrealistic expectations about life. You think uh, all of life is supposed to be free of any pain and disappointment. And so anytime life is less than 100% perfect, you think that you've been cheated. He's exactly right in his, in his estimation, isn't he? Uh, you, you move into a, a, a new place or whatever, and, and you, you focus on the one thing that's not quite right. Or you, you enjoy a dinner uh, out somewhere, and you focus on the one thing that was not quite right. You know, they brought your food before you finished your salad or something like that. And, and you have this uh, sense of entitlement that nothing is ever good enough. And I'm sure that you know this, too, that these kinds of things are compounded ungratefulness is is contagious because so many times we can develop an ungrateful spirit by hanging around ungrateful and grumpy people and, and so when your closest friends are chronic complainers you can bet that some of that's going to wear off on you and so if you're associating with people who are always picking and always negative and always critical you'll you'll soon become the, the grumpy old man or grumpy old woman that none of us want to be so, so these things, uh, discontentment, uh, the, the way our culture cultivates this and uh, the sense of entitlement that, that people have can lead us to ungratefulness. Psalm 100, though, is a, a great medicine for our hearts. It's a psalm, notice, entitled, A Psalm for Giving Thanks. And, and it reminds us of not just our responsibility to give thanks, but, but also the foundation from which our thanksgiving comes and arises why are we to be thankful 
Why is this important? So it's a great tune-up for us uh, as we're thinking about this, uh, particularly this week. This is a beautiful psalm. It's one of the most well-known psalms. It's actually the climax. The psalms are put together pretty intentionally. And it's Psalm 100. It's actually a climax of a, a grouping of psalms that begin all the way back in Psalm 92. And, and all of these psalms are, are hailing Yahweh God, as, as king. That he's a king, and it's an invitation for us to come and acknowledge him as king, as the sovereign king who's worthy of all praise, worthy of all worship, and worthy of all thanksgiving. And so we're to picture worshipers here in this psalm entering through the gates into the heavenly courts. And they're bringing praises to their king. And as the worshipers enter, they are overwhelmed with gratitude for God for who He is and what He's done for them. If you look at the structure of the psalm, it's pretty simple. There are two calls to, to worship, thankful worship, followed by two reminders of why. I love how John Piper writes this. He said there's singing in verses 1 and 2, and then there's a sermon in verse 3, and then there's more singing in verse 4, followed by another sermon in verse 5, if you will. That's a great way to look at this. There's exaltation. Uh, followed by education, here's why. And then there's more exaltation and followed by more, or more exaltation followed by more education, here's, here's why. And so it's, it's very uh, kind of simple to understand. So let's just look at it in two parts here based on those couple of themes. First of all, notice there's the call to thanksgiving. There's the call. This is the singing part or the exaltation part, if you will. The first call, verses 1 and 2. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. And then it's repeated again in verse 4. It's another call. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. It's a remarkable call. Notice in the text that this call goes to, extends to the ends of the earth. Doesn't it? It's a universal call. All the earth he says. It's the will of our God that the whole earth give Him praise and glory and thanksgiving. And, and, and after all, He is worthy of that, right, church? All thanks should be directed to God. Two friends, an atheist and a Christian, were they stepped outside on a beautiful fall morning, and as the atheist saw the beauty of that morning, the haze, the frost on the meadow, the brightly colored leaves, she was filled with awe. And she just, the atheist said, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm grateful for it all. And her believing friend asked, thankful to who? You see, that's, that's a great point. That's a great question. It's really not enough just to be thankful. We're not just thankful. We are thankful to God for all of these things. That, we're thankful to the sovereign king. It's our commission as a church uh, to glorify God by making disciples from the neighborhood to the nations. And what a great reminder we had of that last week was Zane Pratt. We, we believe that God is deserving of glory from every person on this planet. He's worthy of that glory, worthy of that praise, and we want to see more people giving Him thanksgiving. We want to see more people praising Him. We want atheists and agnostics 
Uh, we want everyone to understand that, that the wonders that they enjoy, the blessings that they enjoy throughout creation come from a majestic and holy creator. All of the blessings that, that we have come from the great blesser, who is God, a faithful and true God. So this means that the direction of our thanks is not ourselves. We're not just thankful, but we are thankful to Him. It, it, we, all, the whole world belongs to Him. And therefore, all of the blessings, any of the blessings that we have in life, come from Him alone. This is His world. And Psalm 100 is a call to thank Him. Now notice also here, thanksgiving is not just an attitude, but it's an action. Just look, in, and you might want to just circle these with, with your pencil or something. This, there, there are seven imperatives in these verses, verbs. Uh, make a joyful noise. Uh, serve the Lord. Come into His presence. Know that He is God. Enter His gates. Give thanks. Bless His name. All imperatives, all responses of thankful worshipers. We might just summarize these into a couple of two calls for us to think about. First, there's an invitation to joyful worship. Joyful worship. Make a joyful noise, verse 1 says, to the Lord, all the earth. This is a call to exuberant, uh, vocal, expressive, active, life uh, uh, expressive call to, to worship God. It's, there's emotional language. There's singing. There's volume to this. The NIV says, I think, the word shout. Why? Because there, there's emotion. There's joy here. As they're coming into the king's courts and praise, there's, there's not sadness. There's not melancholy. No one is looking like they had bad Mexican the night before that they were drinking on the, sucking on a lemon this morning. No, there's genuine joy genuine uh, gladness. There's a song on the heart and shouting in the lips. I was thinking this morning as the kids were singing, we are, we are just teaching a whole generation of Pentecostals. You see them up there? Woo! His mercy is more. Uh, I, I think about these texts that talk about shouting, and I'm thinking about how I've you know, been a Baptist all of my life. We Baptists don't like the shouting text very much. Um, unless it's speaking of before church, because there's a lot of shouting going on on the way to church. Amen? Mom shouting at dad, dad shouting at the kids. Lots of shouting. And sometimes maybe I get the shouting here a little bit from the pulpit. I'm probably the only one who shouts uh, on Sunday morning. But what's this psalm saying? This psalm is saying that... that this worship involves your entire being. And it is expressive. It is a call to exuberant and vocal and joyful worship of God. It's not the only part of the service. There's certainly times for all and reverence and quiet and stillness. But there ought to be a part of that is at least with this, this joyful worship before God. Where does the joy come from, by the way? We're going to see this more as we get into the text, but I think it's important to note from the very beginning, from the outset, that this joy is rooted in the Lord and what He has done for us. It's not rooted in external circumstances. And again, I don't say that to mean that you shouldn't be thankful for your material blessings and all those things. You should be because those come from the Lord. And I'm just saying that there's no mention of that in the psalm, is there? The focus is on the Lord. I mean, look at the text. It's filled with nothing but references to the Lord. It's all about the 
Your, your, your direction, the heart of your direction of your worship is to the Lord. The Lord is whom our worship and thanksgiving is to be directed, and not just to Him, but for Him. Our joyful worship is because of God. It's not because you had a good morning. It's for Him. It's about Him. It's because of Him. It's all Him. It becomes more clear, perhaps, when we look at verse 3, which we will in just a moment. But look at the second call to thanksgiving first. In verse 4, which we might describe as thankful praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Think with me for a moment about gates. When I think of a gate, I think of an entrance. And uh, I think of a gate being used to keep people out of somewhere where somebody doesn't want them to be. We think about gates. If you've been to the White House before, there's a gate there, right? Probably some guards, you know, but there's a gate for sure. It's not just you can just drive up there in front of it. Maybe if some of you have been to Buckingham Palace or something, you know there's gates there uh, to keep you. It's to limit access. It's to protect those behind the gate, whether it be the president or the queen. There's a limited access. Isn't it wonderful, though, in this psalm that... that, that the idea is that the gates of God to God are open. Enter His gates. It's an invitation, isn't it? Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. And, and it's here that we begin to start getting uh, to the heart of why we were to have joyful worship and thankful praise. Why we as Christians need to be eternally grateful. Let's just say it like this. The Son of, of the Father has opened the gate. And, and so, uh, that, that being said, I would remind you that no one just walks in unnoticed into the presence of God. You have to be invited by Him. John six forty four makes that clear. No one can come to the Father unless the Father who sent me draws Him, Jesus said. And then secondly, no one gets to the Father except through the Son, Jesus said. John fourteen six. Jesus is the gate. He is the gatekeeper, according to the Gospel of John. Jesus is the one that makes it possible for us to enter into the gates and the courts of God. He's the one whom the writer of Hebrews says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Why? Because of Jesus' holiness and, and perfection. Because of His perfect sacrifice on the cross for us in our place. We can be made right with God. We can come into the presence of God. We can come through the gates. If in Jesus, the gates are open. The courts are open. The veil that separated the holy of holies, God, from humanity has been torn in two by Jesus. This is why the worshiper here, the worship leader here, is calling them to joyful worship and thankful praise. They are to sing and, and all of these verbs and expressions of worship because they have been redeemed. Isaiah 51, 11 says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and signs shall flee away. Why? Why is that true? Because of what Christ has done for us. 
What he has achieved for us by his obedient life and his perfect sacrifice and his resurrection from the dead. The only response to all of that is to serve him with gladness and to come into his presence with thanksgiving. To enter his gates and courts with praise. So maybe there's someone here today who has come into this room and you're, you feel like that you are far from God. And maybe you even think today that the gates are closed for you. And there's no way that you could have access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But according to this psalm, you can. This is a call of thanksgiving that goes to the ends of the earth. But the only way to the Father, you see, is through the Son, Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the gate by which you can enter. And you must turn from your sin, and you must leave it behind, and you must surrender yourself to Him. For others of you who are believers today, this call to thanksgiving maybe has a sour sound to it because of some things going on in your life this past year. Perhaps you've entered the gates today not because of gratitude, but because of grumbling. Because of difficulties. This maybe is the most significant part of the song because it reminds us not just of the call to thanksgiving, but the basis of thanksgiving. The foundation for this call. It's not happy circumstances. Uh, we're never uh, promised, as you know, easy times, beds of roses and lollipops and all those different things. And I'm not making light of any of your trials this morning, your hurts or your worries. I know that they are real. But I'm just reminding you today that the basis of our thanksgiving is not found in our outward circumstances. But rather a knowledge of God. Who He is. And what He's done for you. What does he say? How does he answer? Verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. What is the basis of his thanksgiving? The basis of his praise? It's a knowledge, isn't it? It's a knowledge. Thanksgiving begins in the head knowledge and moves to the heart it doesn't begin in the heart and move to the head and it's so important that we understand that because getting those two things reversed is why we have so much trouble being thankful my heart my emotions they're fluctuating all the time yours are too my happiness level is on a day-to-day moment-to-moment basis it's all over the place. Whether I had a good night's sleep or not, you know, that's a bummer. But then there's coffee. Praise the Lord. Uh, whether I had a really stressful day of work, but then there's Saturdays on the sofa, you know, praise the Lord. Whether I run out of M&Ms or not, that's a bummer. But then, you know, my wife brings, you know, cooks me a good dinner. Praise the Lord. You know, there's back and forth. It's all at the time. There's, and so much of our Thanksgiving is this kind of self-focus. It has to do with our stomach. It has to do with our feelings. It has to do with our comfort. And, and if you're trusting in those things, you're going to be like this all of the time. 
And, and when these things are taken away, what, what would we sing about? With whom would we gather? For what would we give thanks? The psalmist here is saying that for the redeemed of the Lord, it really has little to do with these things, and that I can be thankful, and that I can and I should be thankful because of what I know, not because of what I feel. What does he know? First, he says, know that the Lord is God. Verse 3. That He alone is God. That He alone is my source of life. That He alone is the source of every good and perfect gift. And, and remarkably, we, we are His, he says. Verse 3 again, it's He who made us and we are we are His. That, that word, I think, referring not so much to the fact that He's our Creator, though that is true, but rather His redeeming work, speaking ahead of the work of Christ in which God has made us His home. And then there's this knowledge that I belong to Him as a result. Verse 3 again, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. He's redeemed us. He now cares for us and nurtures us as a shepherd, nurturing His flock. He's providing for us. He's protecting us. It's not just that the Lord is God, it's that, secondly, the Lord is good. That's the second sermon, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. There's absolutely no ending to His love for His own. Isn't that remarkable? There's no ending to the flow of His perfect goodness to His people. He's good all the time, and all of the time He's good. His faithfulness never ends towards His own, and therefore our joyful worship and thankful praise should never end of Him. This is the knowledge that, that leads us on. This is the anchor. This is the basis. This is the foundation. This is the reason why when people ask you, why are you so thankful? Why are you so joyful? This is the answer. Psalm 40, verse 2. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Alistair Begg explains this uh, in his own unique way. He said this is like one worshiper saying to another, uh, Hey, are you new here? How did you get in the gates? How did you get past? Who, me? Well, oh, he drew my feet out of the pit of destruction and he set my feet up on the rock. And the other one says, no kidding. That's what he did for me too. That's wonderful. Why don't we make a joyful noise together? Why don't we come together with thanksgiving and praise the Lord? And you see, we don't say that to one another when we're coming in the parking lot, though we probably should. That's not what we're saying. We don't say it out loud when we gather, but brothers and sisters, that is, that is why we've gathered here today. That is very much the heart of all of the reason why we've gathered here today. It's the focus of the songs that we sing and the prayers that we pray and the sermons that we preach. We are together proclaiming the Lord is God and the Lord is good. And that it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the basis for all of our worship, for all of our praise, for all of our thanksgiving. The fact that He's redeemed us. He's opened the gates. He's torn the veils. He's rescued us from the pit. He's ransomed us. He's redeemed us out of His great love. Praise His name, church. 
praise his name. It's so important that we understand this because we'll be confused. There'll be seasons, there are times when our voices are overcome with tears and our hearts fail us and circumstances frustrate us and let us down and life lets us down and we disappoint ourselves and we disappoint other people and things happen in our lives when we go through tragedies or sicknesses or loved ones die even. It, it is God's steadfast love that is the foundation for thankful praise. And we mustn't forget it. We think of David in Psalm 63 who's likely being pursued by his own son Absalom who has made a play for the throne, and Absalom has turned many of David's top advisors against him. David is fleeing for his life. It's a tragic situation, but listen to what he says in Psalm 63, 3. He says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. That's very different from, you know what, everything is going tremendously well in my life. And the turkey we got this year is wonderful and awesome, and it was seasoned absolutely perfectly, and the pie was great, and I got a promotion at work, and I'm going to praise you. No. That kind of, of thanksgiving holds no appeal for the person who's going to eat alone on Thanksgiving this year because they're separated from their family. That kind of thanksgiving is not going to hold up with everything that goes on in life. Only because God's love is better than life can there be praise and thanksgiving to Him. Do you have that knowledge today? Do you know that the Lord is God and that He's good? Maybe you're honest enough uh, to say it today that perhaps you've been trying to enjoy the goodness and gifts of God without enjoying God himself. And maybe you thought these things would fulfill your deepest longings. And the truth is they haven't and they won't. I think it was Pascal who said the void inside of us is a, a God-shaped void. It can only be filled um, by God himself. And so hear this invitation. Hear that wonderful invitation of this psalm this morning. Know that the Lord, he is God. Know it, that he's good. Even when days are bad, even when doubts arrive, even when fears uh, consume us. Humble yourself before Him. That's the call of the psalm. Humble yourself. Don't turn your back on Him. Turn your back on your sin. Turn your back on yourself. Turn your back on the lies that culture keeps trying to feed you, that you're going to be happy and filled with joy with the next great thing or the next relationship or whatever it is. Turn from these things. Here's the invitation. The gates are swinging open this morning, church. They're swinging open. Enter his gates by the way of Jesus Christ. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. 
Know that he is God and that he's good. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I'm Pastor Jason Clark. And if you don't have a church home, I want to personally invite you to First Baptist Mount Washington. We're striving to be word-centered, gospel-focused, and community-minded. Learn more about our church and our meeting times from our website, fbcmw.org.